Welcome back to the Anti-Diet Club podcast. We are celebrating our 50th episode today, which is unbelievable from where we started. Um, I'm back in the recording with Gillian, and we thought it'd be really useful to do a Q&A because we've never done anything like that before. And we do get a lot of messages on the Instagram handle. We get lots of emails and lots of questions and kind of comments and things people are struggling with. Um, so we thought it'd be really useful to dive into some of those. Yeah, it's been really fun sort of pulling all of them out and, and sort of reviewing them and, and looking at what the um, overarching kind of struggles are or questions that people have, maybe things that we've not done episodes on. I think a couple of them maybe that we have. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to going through these and I cannot flip and believe that this is our 50th episode. I cannot believe that we have been consistent enough to show up and do this every two weeks for almost two years now. It's truly wild, um, but here we are. Let's celebrate that. Yeah, um, here we are. And sometimes like, let's, let's get a bit real. So, because sometimes it's, it's really tough to behind the scenes of a podcast, although, you know, yes, you can record podcasts anywhere, you can do them on your phone and all that kind of stuff. What we often don't share is like, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes with booking guests, making sure we've got haze aligned, you know, fat supporting folks coming onto the podcast and giving people like a, you know, a really good episode where we're not just interviewing anybody, we, we, we make sure they're within the community um, to make sure that our listeners get what they need. And then there's all the show notes, the editing and everything else like mm -hmm. that. And although we do like to keep it kind of just a chat between you and I, we don't actually edit loads, but there is still like the all the all the stuff that goes on. Yeah, the and yeah, we don't there's... get any help. We don't get any funding. We're not taking any money from this podcast. We do this completely for free. This mm -hmm. is not so we don't have any sponsorship. We have nothing. And I think, you know, yeah. I'm proud of us for doing that. And, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And we've got busy lives. So trying to get yeah. us both together at the same time and to make sure that we're delivering content and, and discussions that hopefully, well, we know that you guys are really interested in because we see our um, listening grow and grow and grow. And we've got, I think, about 30,000 downloads at this point, yeah. which is kind of phenomenal, really, um, because as Tamsin says, we don't advertise. like we There's no real way for us to grow this other than just you folks telling your friends and your family or, um, you know, may, you maybe follow us on social media. So it's kind of wild and um, I'm really proud of us and our lives, you know, this isn't really a catch up episode on us, but over the last few years and over the last 50 episodes, our lives have have changed quite a lot and we've gone through quite a bit. So I think that's why I'm still like, oh, my God, and we're still yes. here. Like we're still here doing it. Um, yeah, it's mad. What? Where are, where are you at in your um, practice and your business? Because you're kind of venturing into sort of different things but also just like really niching down on on the kind of folks that you like working with yeah I think that's a really good question actually because things have changed so much like I don't just coach anymore I have another business that I run which is for um women in business and networking and I run an annual conference that's specifically just for women um and women in business who want to connect with other people want to exhibit all that kind of stuff so I'm kind of busy with that and coaching and but the two have started to go together really well because I've seen such a pattern since I've been doing my coaching practice I seem to and I think we all 
attract different types of clients mm -hmm. and I tend to attract people who are in business and I think there's so many parallels we touched on this with Johnny Landel's episode there is some parallels between um business culture I want to say and mm -hmm. that hustle culture and diet culture yeah. and like if you are promoting anything or selling anything online whether it's services or a product there is a certain level of you know guilt and shame and cycles that you go around and I'm seeing a real pattern with it so and often I think a lot of the clients I have are my age so that mm -hmm. that menopause um era which is really fascinating to me because I'm in that space as well so that's who I'm working with is really people in that you know 40 plus mark I would say like we're hitting mm -hmm. the menopause menopause but we're also at that point where our careers have accelerated or we might have our own mm -hmm. business or we might have a bit of both and there's a lot of body shame and that and I'm really like really really loving focusing in on that at the moment so it's real blend of the two when I started my business back in gosh 2000 18 I think I started my business I was purely online so I was like online before the pandemic I was like I want to travel the world being a coach all I need is my laptop and then of course there was the pandemic so I've never really rooted into um my community which is quite in contrast to you because you're in Bristol and especially with the work that you're doing with the, the Women's Business Club right now you're really rooting into the people in your community and, and, and sort of um, becoming known in those circles and I've never really done that I've always worked with people internationally as well as sort of all over the UK um, but recently I've been working with folks in Edinburgh on both yoga teaching, so developing a yoga practice and coaching together in person in the one session. And it's really quite fascinating when we move together on the mat and what that comes up and how that just helps in terms of nervous system regulation, but also can bring up some um, difficulty that we have inhabiting our body um, and how we bring that then into the coaching space. So that's quite fascinating. And then lastly, I'm, yeah, I'm training to be a therapist. I'm one year in, I'm two years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll be like 50 when eventually when I'm I'm qualified to be a therapist. But that's just because, you know, the, the kind of work that we do with um, coaching, our scope goes so far. It's pretty wide, but it only goes so far. And once we get to a place of um, people uncovering some sort of like childhood trauma or um, really starting to get into sort of deep emotional stuff that they need a different kind of um, help and support with, that's um, that's where I really want to be able to 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 hold that and 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 have the skills and the experience to be able to um, help people with all of that. So, yeah, um, keep you posted. It'll be a few yeah. years, but um, I'm really that. enjoying the training. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I know it's a lot of work, but it's something you've jumped to doing for a while. You've been talking about this for a long time. So it's amazing to see that kind of yeah. coming to fruition. But I think just my you know observation of like coaching generally, the coaching industry is I think that we quite often want to be for everybody. And actually there's a lot, there's a lot of, I've done a lot of wrestling with myself of like, why am I not for everybody? Why is it I enjoy working with particular types of people going through particular phases in their life? Mm -hmm. And I've actually had to take a very anti-diet approach to it in the terms of why is that bothering me? Like, if that's what lights me up, why does it matter? Because as a yeah. coach, I'm going to give a better service. I'm going to give a better experience mm -hmm. to people mm -hmm. when you're working with people you really like you up. And 
And yeah. like you said, you know, my my other job has really helped me to connect in a way that I haven't been able to before. And it's really nice when you start to influence things because I never saw myself as being able to do that. But we've had mm. a real um, recently we've had um, a big rebrand in the company and I've been able to actually pull up on the the body diversity piece, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. yes, there are other people picking up on that, but actually being able to add to that and then be able to mm -hmm. go, this is what I think we should be seeing. And this is, and having that being a welcomed, you know, feedback, because it is feedback, it isn't yeah. criticizing, it's an observation that I, for me to be aligned with the company, I want to see it change. Yeah. But to have that them being like, absolutely brilliant. And like really, really, you know, it, like tapping into Positively the influence yeah, like a, culture. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. nice because I'm so used to just having pushback against yeah. anything that I've ever thought. So it's actually quite yeah. nice. Um, and I know that that's going to help loads of people if they can yeah. see them. If you can see yourself somewhere, it makes such a if difference. you can see yourself represented. Yeah. Absolutely. For anyway, sure. We digress. Um, so we weren't going to we do digress, that. Digress, but that was in, an, an interesting <laughs> we catch up for folks. So um, there you are. All right. I'm going to I'm going to hit us off with the first uh, question that's on my list here. And right. that is this idea of can I control my weight? And this is this is like this is such a fascinating question because I think I notice, I don't know about you, but when I first start working with folks, it's like even though their personal experience might give them all the data that they need to answer that question very clearly and concisely, but there is this overarching belief on top of that that no, everyone else can do it. It is possible. I've yeah. just not found the right X, Y, or Z. And it's funny because if we had an experience with anything else, right? I'm thinking of like the people that you work with in, in terms of your um, business club, right? If you started a business and for 25, 30 years, you were doing the same thing and you were not making any money. Yeah, like who would have the stamina to stick at that i mean right? it happens but yeah no you're right no you wouldn't you don't and you would be like there's like, something wrong here you know what yeah. I, it, like and you would look at it critically and be like what actually is it is it me is it my concept is it my price point is it my marketing is it this is it that whatever but with dieting it's like i'm the problem i'm the problem i've just not found the the yeah. right um diet but I think once I get to a point with with clients, and this is something that I try to help them come to their own sort of um, inquiry about this is, is it even possible for me to control my weight? Is it is it possible for anybody to control their weight? And we've talked about this before about how, like, I never looked at the statistics when I was a dieter. I Because uh, I didn't even question the no. fact that, of course, it's possible. I'm just not doing it right. Yeah, but that speaks to how pervasive this diet culture really is and how deeply ingrained it is. Like, we learn so young, like, that our body is our responsibility to look a certain way. And that because the second that you maybe as a young girl may have sort of looked at your body and gone, oh, I don't like this or I'm worried about that, you've had that reinforced then by somebody else saying, well, you could just do this and then that would change mm. it instantly that thought is there like whether you do anything about it at that point or not it's it's reinforced from such a young age before you have that critical thinking before you even yeah. think about statistics and stuff like that and that's where i think it 
diet culture really young. it really wins because it does get you so young because even mm. if you're not actively dieting you are so aware of you know like body size and shape being a personal responsibility yeah I think that's 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 just reinforced from cartoons as, as like young as two and three all the way through i see it all the time yeah. having kids and we just don't realize how bad it is because i'm really attuned to it now and i in books in everything and i'm really true but i can't remove it mm. i can't get rid of it it's and still it's there. so un unconsensual isn't it like mm. kids growing up being influenced so um strongly and as you say it's like before you even adopt those skills of like pushing back or critical thinking or before you even adopt any of them it's an ingrained belief because you see probably your mother do it or and your aunties do it and you see you know everybody around you so you don't think to stop in question um it's yeah it's kind of it's kind of mad and for anybody out there who's wondering what are the statistics I mean there's loads of places you can go and find them out um one of my favorite books is anti-diet by uh, Christy Harrison or health at every size um, would give you some similar statistics that about 95% of weight loss efforts fail. Um, you know, there isn't really another uh, protocol that we would engage in if somebody told us up front that there was a 95% fail rate. No. Um, and then one third to two thirds of people will likely gain back the weight that they've lost plus more. Oh. Um and again, all those statistics and research papers are cited in, in, in Christie's book, if you're interested in that. Um, the other thing I think it's worth noting as well, because that's on a kind of individual, personal level, which is what you've spoken to, that we very much are of the opinion and, and the belief we've been conditioned to believe that our weight is a personal responsibility. It's a personal problem to fix. But um I was listening again to Aubrey Gordon's uh, book today, You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People. And one of the things that she mentioned that I'd, I'd remembered hearing years ago, but she brought it up today um, in this book, no nation or jurisdiction in the world has ever reduced their obesity rates. And I use the word obesity. You can't see me fingers in the air, quote unquote, obesity. Um, but obviously, that's the terminology they use when they're looking at statistics yeah. worldwide. Um, yes, we know that, um, quote unquote, obesity rates are um, increasing. No jurisdiction or nation has ever managed to reduce that. Um, and even though there's a million diets, protocols, plans out there, the truth of the matter is nobody actually has cracked that nut no one out there has has found that golden key of how to help people lose weight in a quote-unquote healthy way and for the long term yeah it, it does not exist and I think we're we we get caught up in this idea of controlling our weight is that we believe that all we actually need to do is fight biology, right? All we need to do is try and like cheat our biology somehow or cheat cheat our system. But actually it goes way beyond bio biology. It's it's also about sociology. It's about so the, the social influences 
that influence our health, right? So biology, yes, DNA, genetics, um, epigenetics, if we want to look at, um, you know, maybe how trauma has been um, handed down through our genetics, through generations, we're still carrying that, right? Um, that has an influence on how we, on our appetites and on our metabolism and and, and um, all those um, like leptin and ghrelin and all those um, hormones that, that help regulate our satiety and our, and our appetite. But it's also the, the sociological influences like um, our, um, do, have we grown up in poverty? What's our access to food? Did yeah. did we experience trauma as a as a child? You know, like all of those kind of social influences have a real um like do we live in an area of crime? It's you know, it's like it goes far beyond just you know calories in, calories out. Yeah. It's much more complex. And of course, as human beings, we don't like complexity. Um, when we're trying to find a solution to a problem, we want it to be really clear. And that's why the kind of research that is now completely outdated and flawed from the 1950s about calories in, calories out, people still want to believe that. They still hold on to that. Every day it's based on that, though, isn't it? Because if you think yeah. back to the episode that we did with um, Asha, Dr. Asha Lamy, we were talking about weight loss injections. And I remember the like your chin hitting the floor when you realized that actually they had to be on a calorie controlled diet at the same yep. time to take these injections. And everything, you know, even when everything says, oh, it, you just, you know, it's not a diet, it's not this, it's not that. It is based on a control of calories in, calories out. And like you said, it's not actually about that. The other thing I think we need to sort of, you know, all of those points that you just said, I completely agree. And you can find all of that information in quite a lot of those books that we mentioned. Yeah. But also what we don't see like all that much is, or not having the conversation around it is, you know, the effect that dieting has on our weight. We're mm -hmm. just not joining those dots at all. Mm -hmm. um, not me and you, obviously we join that nearly every episode, but mm -hmm. you know, it's really, really, we have to think about the fact that we've started a diet at a certain size and our body has continued to grow year on year out. I mean, this is my experience and I know yeah. I'm not the only one I, I would yeah. have said I thought I was years ago. Um, but we do think that's the only, we're the only ones, but that's not how, that's not it. Everybody's experience, you know, 95% mm -hmm. of dieters are going to be gaining it back and more. Yeah. Because it's that safety weight. And then we then, have to start at another starting point you know yeah it's, yeah and that is the evidence is there because it's happening all the time yeah but we're just and not... the fact as well is that all dieting is um yo-yo dieting right yeah. Di dieting doesn't just exist as a one-off I would bet any listener that's listening to this right now who has ever dieted has tried more than one diet mm. because it is it it, it because of the 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 massive failure rate and I say that word not as in yeah. you listener you're a failure but as in that it's a it's a failed concept it's a failed strategy yeah. um this this idea that we can diet once and lose the weight and and never have to put it on again uh, or never have to diet again all dieting is 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 your dieting is weight cycling essentially it's a cycle that we're in and um that's the addiction the the diet cycle is the mm. addiction not the not the food um which a, a lot of people um think it is so so i think yeah look at the statistics 
research about sort of sociology and biology, but also look at your own experience, right? Like yeah, really, your own experience. Really look at your own experience and say, like, am I in the five percentile? And also, I think it was we're so used to comparing ourselves to other people, and we might see that somebody else is like you know position themselves as being able to air quotes maintain their weight or stay a certain size forever we've all got those people in our life but this is the this is the thing their biology is completely different even if they're related to us they are that no two humans are the same mm-hmm. and whilst we seem to accept that you know thin people are naturally exist we don't accept that fat people naturally exist it's like yeah. a, that has to be something that we believe is created and it's like yes one accepted that people are like naturally thin and um, that everybody's genetically born thin and you have to default yes you have to do something wrong yeah in order to be yeah yeah Yeah. and that's not the case that's that's not the case you know otherwise they wouldn't weigh babies (laughs) It would just yeah. everyone's the same size. Everyone's the same. And now it's That's over true. to you to keep them to be the same. They, they wouldn't be. We're all different. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So um, I think the answer, well, Tam's a nice answer to this question. Can I control my weight? Um, or is it even possible to control our weight? My, my, my answer would be a straight up no. I think you can. Um, I think you can engage in health promoting behaviors if you have the time and the capacity and the resource to do that. But that isn't that isn't a guarantee of changing your weight because that you might be predisposed to that weight. Um, So, yeah, I think that would be my answer. Yeah, same. But I think my second follow on kind of update from that would be inviting folks to think about why where does the idea come from that you need to have control of your weight yeah that's the next piece of the puzzle yeah well done well, that's a good yeah, yeah that's exactly. a good point why are we asking why are we asking that question in the first place yeah all right um second question or second sort of um as i see summary of questions that we've pulled together um and that's around what you and I talk about all the time, anti-diet, this is the Anti-Diet Club podcast, is this this movement of anti-diet or this belief or way of life um, glorifying obesity? And I'm going to let you take this run on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might do. Yeah, this comes up a lot. And I think a lot of um, creators online get this kind of message, you're glorifying an unhealthy lifestyle, you're glorifying obesity. Um, And again, we don't use that terminology. That's the terminology used by um, people in the medical field. And and it's just a general term that is used so widely, but it's not something that we um, use in our own practice. um, Why? Put that out there. Because it's pathologizing a body type and it's suggesting that it is a disease and it's not yeah it's medicalizing yes body size body and size. stigmatizing of course yeah right? and through that through Absolutely. that pathology yeah yeah it's not something that's ever seen in a positive way it's used always in a negative shameful kind of you know anyway it's used against people and also to be really uh cynical that 
um, diseasifying, pathologizing mm. um, bodies and fatness and, and this term obesity really gives license, particularly in the States, to be able to um, be offered, quote unquote, quote, weight management through mm-hmm. insurance, right? Like if you yeah. look at the, the movement of BMI and the categories of BMI and and the the um the 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 num the numbers of BMI and how it's all categorized, it's all influenced by American insurance yeah. companies and the fact that it changes on a whim um to suit yeah. them as historically it has done. Um and it really is um, the the people around those boardroom tables are people who are um, invested in either bariatric surgery or weight loss injections or weight loss pills. Uh, yeah. The people who are medicalizing it in order to profit from the so called solution. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a it's re- like when you talk about the insurance, it really is a way of categorizing people so that you can not support everybody. And that's mm-hmm. that's again if you ever follow a thread of something that just doesn't make complete sense you'll always follow the money because that's just that you know and i know yeah we've had these conversations with asha at length that that's the case but in terms of whether anti-diet is glorifying obesity my answer to that really is that actually what we're glorifying if we're glorifying anything is the right to exist in a body without being you know stigmatized um have have things taken away from you have your human rights taken away from you um be punished for existing in a bigger body regardless of whether you think somebody has caused that of them to themselves done something to themselves Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you believe that that is the case or not it's actually irrelevant because actually everybody deserves to exist even if they have done something you know to even if it's that they somebody believes it's their fault which we yeah don't believe at all which um, as an example if like you injured yourself racing down the ski slopes for instance and broke your leg yeah. people wouldn't stigmatize you for like going into hospital and taking up resources and you have actually done that to yourself yeah. right exactly. you voluntarily engaged in that quite dangerous sport um yeah dangerous sport it seems dangerous to me um but 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 people view fat bodies that same way that that's a personal responsibility that is a choice that you have made um and it is your irresponsibility that's got you in this position and then therefore you're treated as such which is absolute nonsense yeah it is nonsense but also what we have to remember is this continual like like society-wide stigmatizing of people in bigger bodies causes shame and causes people to feel like be traumatized to medical fat phobia or you know just fat phobia in in the wild in in the world you know Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. can cause real difficulties when it comes to feeling like they might want to move their body in a public space or feeling like they might want to go and do something or you know, wanting to just live and exist in a body that isn't just constantly checking. You know, when you're going to places wondering whether the seats are going to fit you or wonder, you know, when people are then saying, well, no, they don't, but it's your fault, go away and then come back when you're thinner, that doesn't actually solve the problem. It doesn't, you know, it's just, it's just telling someone that they are the problem and sending them away and, and just expecting them just to, 
you know, do something that Drink. they can't control it over yeah before. yeah coming back to question one can we yeah, control exactly. their weight all yeah there's always yeah. A, there's always a link isn't there yeah and i i still right i've been in this business what five five years is that right five years um professionally i still actually when people talk about glorifying obesity i'm like I, I understand what you what they're saying insofar oh. as it's normally a pushback or a response to a fat person um like living their life basically yeah. right it, it's or, or 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 maybe wearing skimpy clothing or dancing around basically displaying their fat body in some way but I still don't truthfully understand this term glorifying obesity because like if the roles were reversed and that person was in a thin body dancing wearing skimpy clothes just out living their life they wouldn't be glorifying thinness yeah exactly right so so i so basically what 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 somebody if somebody is saying you are glorifying obesity or 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 that is glorifying obesity what they're saying is that they don't want fat people to exist free of stigma, basically. Mm. It's like yeah. if you're putting your body out there, you need to be or you deserve to be or I will stigmatize you. And people get enraged when they see fat people out enjoying their life. It's like, how dare you? That crosses over all kind of conditions, social norms that I know of. And it's and it's and it's activating me. It's triggering me somehow. Yeah. And therefore that it that comes out in this glorifying obesity absolute nonsense. But um generally it's fat people doing exactly the same as what thin people do, but it's just not allowed if you're in a fat body. So they have to call it something and they've come up with this term glorifying obesity, which, yeah, I do, I, 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 think, I think that in, would be my response. Yeah, what does that in, even mean? What's yeah. the definition of that and term? Interestingly, what I think we really need to draw attention to is this statement, are we glorifying obesity, this, this attack on people, pretty much 99% of the time comes when that person is unapologetic. If you have mm -hmm. somebody in a bigger body who is following the rules of being a good fat person by yeah. following the rules, trying to diet, doing their best, covering they up, are, and I'm not saying they're not stigmatized. What I'm saying is they're kind of, they're not, no one's going to say to them, you're glorifying obesity because it, they're actively showing that they're working against it. And this is quite often what we talk about when we talk about sometimes people can't openly not diet because it's a sense of safety because yeah. it stops people from health trolling you. And well, it doesn't stop. Okay. I need to rephrase that. It doesn't stop people, but it might minimize the impact that it might mm -hmm. chew people away a little bit. If they think you're at least trying to follow the rules. Yeah. This comes back to the fact that a lot of people with size privilege believe that they are just doing all the right things and to yeah. even have a glimmer that they're, they aren't actually controlling their body all that much. Actually, it might be genetics or it might be this, that, the other. Mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. rattles people because that means all of their beliefs and all the things that they're like aligning themselves to and working hard at is on massive shaky ground. Yeah, that's I mean, absolutely right. People down, don't like know. to see it or, or hear it. And especially if you have devoted your whole life to trying to shrink your body. And then what? Somebody just like walks out <laughs> in front of you with a bigger Happy. body and is, and is not displaying any kind of shame. 
like how yeah. how dare they and that's when this you're right the yeah. abs- the word is attack anybody that's using the word glorifying obesity is it i mean it's so rooted in um anti-fatness and 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 fat phobia that that um yeah it's it's a red flag i think anybody thinking about that term or using that term needs to do some self-reflection on on themselves i would say yeah um all right we are rattling through third one (laughs) i'm really struggling with food and body image but i'm not fat so this is for our listeners who are are I'm not even going to say in a thin body, right? I'm going to say not in a fat body because I don't know about you, but I can look back at photos of me now and be like, oh God, I like I was a thin person then. Never in my life, even at my lightest weight, did I ever describe myself as a thin person because that was reserved. That was like something, a far off destination that I was always working towards, but it was never something that I could ever claim, no matter how thin thin I was, right? So I'm yeah. not even going to say for our thin listeners, because if you're listening to this podcast, I, no matter how small your body is, I would really be curious as to whether you actually use that term anyway. So let's just say straight size people, people who don't wear plus size clothes, people who are not um, fat, are not discriminated against, not stigmatized on that basis. Um, and I think that uh, I remember distinctly the person that, that wrote into us about this, about sort of struggling with this, this concept, they obviously listen to this podcast and really struggling with body image, but kind of feeling like, where do I fit in in this space? Because we, the point of this podcast, if you haven't ascertained this by now, is we're trying to give voice to people who, including ourselves, because we both um, describe ourselves as small fat people in terms of the the spectrum. I hope I'm not speaking on your behalf here, Tamsin. Yeah, but I'm yeah. Right, and saying that um, that's that you know, and, and that comes with a lot of privilege. Our proximity to thinness definitely frees us of a lot lot of oppression. But speaking for the the more marginalised um, people that that we work with, right, giving that. Um, giving those people a voice essentially and trying to shine a light on um the struggles that fat folk are have to deal with day in and day out um and and yeah I'm sorry I'm rambling at this point no it's fine I know what you're you're trying to say and you're what you're what you're working towards is the fact that a lot of people if they maybe they maybe however they describe themselves but if they're not um, in a fat body, sometimes think that this space isn't for them. And I think that's something that we kind of want to talk about because whether we are, whether you are in a body that isn't suffering in terms of um, stigmatized, you know, being stigmatized or being excluded or, you know, from medical support or anything else like that, we're all swimming in the same sea of diet culture. And I think this is the important piece is if you are struggling with your body, regardless of your body size, anti-fatness is at the root of that because that's the reason that we all struggle with it. So is it, I think the question really is, is this space for me? And is this a place where I can learn something? Mm -hmm. Yes, because by undoing 
or unlearning your anti-fat bias, you'll be helping yourself and other people because you will yeah. actually treat people differently. You will perhaps, you know, be an ally for somebody who is in a bigger body mm -hmm. and you'll have more peace in your body yourself. So yes, this work is for everyone. Um, I think that's where you're going. Yeah, it is. And you're absolutely right. It's 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 two things, actually. It's that, yes, this space is for you because, as you brilliantly just said, anti-fatness obviously affects those most marginalised, those at the um, higher end of the weight spectrum, but they also still um, influence people at the lighter end of the spectrum anti-fatness doesn't benefit anybody right we're, we're not just trying to do this what this sort of activist work to try and help um marginalize people although arguably for me that that is who I'm mostly trying to help because I believe that's where the help is needed but this work actually does help everybody none of us are free so long as anti-fatness prevails Right. I None of us are free. I think you can say that about like every system of oppression, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. It, it affects everybody negatively always. Yeah. yeah. No matter what you're talking about, like that yeah. is the case. This is no different. I think the difficulty with um, body size is it's just it's still not included in the Discrimination Act. It's, it's yeah. and that is a, I'm hoping that we see that change. And just I'm, happened in New York, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm hoping that has a massive wave effect. But, I, you know, I, I think we might be a little way, way away from it, and especially because it's consistently reinforced by things like weight loss drugs. Because as soon mm -hmm. as you bring something new to the market, it, again, I'm going back to that episode because it was so um, of of the time of what we're talking about now, it's in the news all the time. Mm -hmm. um, when you bring something in that's kind of, brought out and peddled out as the solution to fatness it's like we take 10 steps back yeah it's, yeah it's like oh no hang on we've solved it and then it's going to take us a little bit longer to realize actually no we haven't yeah and, we're back I mean? to the so, beginning absolutely yeah, consistently we're always bringing ourselves back to it so i think yeah that's yeah yeah and it <laughs> and, and and even though we are you know trying to raise up the kind of um more marginalized um bodies in this podcast we are absolutely absolutely not saying that if you live in a smaller body that you're not suffering or struggling or yeah. you know of course like um of course you are but when you when you look at conventional traditional eating disorder therapy it is centered around young thin bodies we've said that before on this podcast mm -hmm. if you if you are somebody in a thin body and you are struggling with disordered eating maybe even hovering on the lines of a, a, um, a clinical eating disorder you're going to be seen and you're going to be yeah. recognized and you're going to be supported by the current medical system that we are in if you are in a bigger body you are going to be overlooked you're not going to be supported in the same way so that's why we, we we're using this podcast um and i think the, the other thing that maybe comes into this as well and we haven't actually named it as such but it's this idea that people talk about of oh well yeah fat shaming fat shaming exists but so does skinny shaming right and and i want to kind of try and talk to that as well in that yeah, absolutely. People can be mean about all different kinds of bodies, tall bodies, short bodies, fat bodies, thin bodies. Of course, that exists, that that kind of bigotry and, and prejudice around bodies 
um, exist, no matter what kind of body that you're in. But it is different if you are in a thin body because of systemic um, frameworks that exist. You are going to be in a thin body, be able to go into a clothing store and buy clothes. You can clothe your body. You are going to be taken more seriously. The statistics show that you are going to be given more time in a doctor's surgery than somebody who's fat. You're more likely to be given a job. You're more likely to be paid more. You're more likely to be promoted more. You're more likely to do better in education. The statistics go on and on and on and on. So even even if you don't like your body, even if you are at war with your body, your proximity to thinness gives you societal rewards and privileges that somebody in a bigger body does not. You are not discriminate. We're not talking about systemic discrimination here. We're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, your feelings being hurt because somebody's called you skinny. But it's it's and, and that can hurt. And I'm not dismissing that any kind of body shaming hurts. Um, And if you're at war with your body, no matter if you're big or if you're small, that is very traumatic. And you and also I want to say you are also absolutely deserving of support, no matter what size body that you're in. Um, We speak to the more marginalized because unfortunately, those are the people that slip through the net. Yeah, yeah. And all of the above. Yeah, I have. Honestly, that was like the best. Great. Kind of run my hand. That was good. All right. Let's come on to our last one now, um, which is um, people who are asking us about unsolicited health and weight advice. So I guess the question is, when is it okay to be concerned about people's health? So, so this you mentioned earlier, health trolling, like, oh, but I'm, but I'm just really worried about my sister, or I'm just really worried about my daughter because yeah. of her weight, like. At, at what point do I interject? How can I interject? Is it okay to comment? What can I do to help? And I think what I want to do straight off is say, if you look at that question, if you look at like, when is it okay to give health advice? There's a question within there that's not said, which is, when is, when is, when, when, when is a body too big? That's, that's what mm-hmm. screams out at me is when... Yeah is that's the the real question too fat when when is it too far because that's what we're talking about and yes there might be some people who maybe just happen to know that somebody doesn't maybe um have as many health promoting behaviors as perhaps they do and they feel like they want to interject and say something but i think you know to answer it straight off the bat never is the answer you know people need to have body autonomy regardless Mm -hmm. of whether you think their behaviors are healthy or not People need to have body autonomy. We all yeah. have the right to, you know, live our lives the way we want to live. Existing them. in the bodies Even that we're in. if that is typically going against the like health advice, that's still not anyone else's business. Yeah. Yeah. And there is sorry, one more thing. No, there go is, please go. There is there is hardly anyone on the planet who doesn't know what health looks like, like as in the kind of thing that's talked about all the time with you should eat this you should move this money to blah 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 we don't we haven't got a lack of advice we haven't got a lack of information mm-hmm. it's not that isn't that isn't the problem is it you know no you're going to be hard for push to find anybody who doesn't know that moving their body and eating you know five portions of fruit and veg a day are health promoting behaviors everybody knows that and yes there are are 
of course there's there's accessibility issues with movement people who live in areas of um high crime or people who um live in polluted cities you know getting outside and moving their body is tricky um people who maybe don't have time because they work two or three jobs to be able to cook food from scratch like there are systemic problems that prevent people from engaging in health promoting behaviors but i want to i want to ask a question way before any of this how do you know what their health status is yeah by looking at them by the by the size of their body yeah you're you're you know and and also ask yourself um if you're let's say you're talking about a friend or a sibling let's say if you had another friend and or sibling that in that from what you could see they ate the same food they moved in the same way um you know they they had the same amount of stress levels the same you know everything was the same but one was in a big body and one was in a small body would you be concerned about the health of the person in the small body um and i think that way about you know we're talking about commenting and and interjecting i think about this when we think about people smoking right it's like well if you're cons- if you're truly concerned about people's health if you're walking along the street would you knock a cigarette out of somebody's hand or would you stop them in the street and tell them do you know that that's unhealthy of course everybody who buys a packet of cigarettes now has got the warning labels on them we don't have a knowledge problem no um but what we do have in terms of the way that people engage in conversations and commenting it is this approach whether you know it or not and sorry to say you listeners i'm not accusing you but i say we as a world we generally approach these discussions through the eyes of bias and we are being stigmatizing right if we're commenting on somebody's health without actually knowing anything about their health just by the size of their body we are being stigmatizing and that very act you are contributing to more negative health outcomes for that person yeah i referenced christy harrison's book earlier and she talks um really beautifully about um, some research well a lot of research that's been done about the effects of weight stigma and we now know that weights the 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 weight stigma that people are subjected to is actually more influence influential on their health than what they eat the food that they eat um that's the degree to which these microaggressions you might think you're helping but the very sort of the very act of making known that your body is being monitored and your health behaviors are being monitored that adds a stress and a stigma and these microaggressions that just adds to the kind of mental load and emotional load that that person carries yeah definitely and i think what I would invite people to think about is that there's two things really that kind of popped up for me from what you were saying there is first of all, like if you feel like you need to give health advice or maybe you're the person on the receiving end of this health trolling health advice that's unsolicited. I think we have to go back to the person who's giving that this is speaking to their own fears. They have fears of ill health. Those things mm-hmm. are 
you know, and that might be due to a completely different reason. Perhaps they've seen a parent go through ill health and perhaps they were in a bigger body. Again, going back to that episode we just talked about with Johnny Landles, he was saying that about his own father, that, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of fear there. Like, am I going down the same path as my, and we often project our own fears onto other people through yeah. like concern trolling. Yeah. And secondly, the other thing that I wanted to say was, you know, if you are, you know, feeling like you need to give this, you know, give health advice, actually, maybe the maybe the more productive thing you could do is actually, how can I support this person to have a less, you know, stigmatized life? Like, how can I, how can mm -hmm. I make, if somebody's in a bigger body and you're really concerned about yeah. their health, how can I make them not feel like crap when they maybe go to the gym? And how can I make yeah. them feel like they can be confident enough to walk down the street? How yeah. can I maybe feel, make them feel that they're, you know, when we go to a restaurant, they're included and not judged. We can do when they that. go to a restaurant, and I had this exact experience at the weekend. Mm -hmm. I really hope my friend who I was with doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, she's a thin person, and it was me and my girlfriend, and we were both in bigger bodies, and my friend was in a thin body. And there's so there were three of us going to the table, and there was a bench seat, and then there was two chairs, and the thin my thin friend automatically took the bench seat and what goes through my mind is that's the thinness and privilege and naivety of a thin person right walking through the world not understanding that actually that bench in my view should be offered up to the people in bigger bodies um, and that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that you can do if you're somebody in a yeah. smaller body. You can learn about this kind of stuff. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do know. But um, you know, phone ahead to the restaurant, ask what the seating options are, ask if you can get a booth with bench, so you can both mm -hmm. have bench seats. You know, like do yeah. that kind of thing. Support them in a way that is really going to um, help their health. Yeah, and, and and again, because when we talk about health, we're not just talking about physical health, we're talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this has such a huge impact on people's mental health. And yeah, like you say, you could kind of think about those small little details of actually what would make this easier for my friend, uh, your partner, you know, husband, wife, whatever, you know, whoever they are to you in your life. How can I make this just a little bit simpler for them so that they don't need to navigate this stuff or feel ashamed? Because... Yeah. You know, yeah. it's tough. And I think once you start kind of looking at it through kinder eyes, and again, we're going back to uh, when we were talking about question two about glorifying obesity, what we really need to think about like all of this stuff, or, or even actually all of these questions, the underlying thing is anti-fatness. And if mm -hmm. you are able to start mm -hmm. working through some of that, you will naturally be kinder to yourself and other people. Yeah, yeah. I have one last point to make yeah. <laughs> on just on that last question. Mm -hmm. And that is particularly if I guess this comes to the unsolicited advice um, question and, and yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. All of them, as you say. Um, but if you're somebody in a thin body and you have concerns about your friend, your relative, whoever in a bigger body is is it genuine concern or are you feeling like that you are wanting to impart some wisdom that you innately carry as a thin person, right? And we've talked about this in the podcast before, but there is a, um, an, what do I want to call it? An expert um, energy 
it's not what I was thinking but there's 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 an energy of I am an expert when people live in smaller bodies or smaller bodies in comparison to their friends and it's like I have done more good because I am thinner and you have done more bad because you are fatter I can impart some of my wisdom of how to do less bad in more good and actually you know getting back to the analogy of 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 being in business for 25 years and if it was continually um failing right would you take the advice of someone who has actually never been in your situation if you're a fat person listening to this and your thin friend keeps giving you advice of like oh do you want to join the gym with me or do you want to go for a walk after dinner at night or you know these little kind of like pieces of advice it's like well have you ever lost a hundred pounds? Sorry, we're not meant to mention numbers on this podcast, are we? But um, have you ever done that? Have you ever dropped so many dress sizes before? Mm. Or are you just sort of using your genetic thin privilege as your expertise? Because if you've never lived in my shoes, you're not going to know and I'm not going to take advice from you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have to take, there's so many other things to take into account as well. Like like you say, if they haven't lived in your body, you know, you might be struggling with a particular illness or, you know, something, discomfort. Like, you know, I have so many clients that sort of, they come to me maybe beating themselves up because they haven't been able to like follow this particular plan of exercise or whatever. You find they've got an underlying condition that actually prevents them from doing that. Yet they feel the shame. They feel like they should be doing more. And quite often they've been prescribed doing more or Mm -hmm. eating a certain way from somebody, you know, somebody in the medical field who has not kind of taken into consideration that maybe they can't do that. Yeah, it's impossible. And it just yeah. it's so frustrating. But yeah, I think that's a really, really good point is, um, you know, you've got to think about your position, your experience It's not the same as somebody else's, even yeah. if it might look the same, even if it might, even if you are somebody that has done that journey. Yeah, you're living in a different body. Worse. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the ex-smokers, right? Yeah, I knew I knew exactly how to go smoking. Um, and I probably still feel a bit like the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I felt entirely like I could tell everyone how to, and I couldn't understand why people didn't give up or whatever. And actually, like it's it's just my own lived experience, and you know, yeah, not, everybody's not way of coping useful. with life is totally yeah. different, right? We've totally got different, different experiences. Yeah. All right. Well, that is um, that is our four kind of summarized um questions i guess that we wanted to just um recap we didn't want to get beyond our 50th episode and not cover these things um we feel like we've done our homework we feel like we're caught up now um and stay tuned over the next couple of months for the next three episodes we are going to be revisiting our top three our most listened to episodes and we are going to be rerunning them them for the next um three uh fortnightly um fridays and um if you are a new listener you're going to really appreciate these top three while tamsin and i have a well-earned break over the summer yeah i know that feels really odd to say doesn't it like we've toyed with the idea of having a break for quite some time but i think you know we're almost two years in i think yeah it's time I think, I think it's time. time and I think if we followed our own advice like with this you know not wanting to subscribe to hustle culture and everything else I think it's yeah yeah 
it's about yeah. being kind to ourselves but yeah we appreciate and if you want to be still gonna love those episodes <laughs> you are gonna love them and if you want to be kind back to us we would so dearly appreciate if you would wherever you listen to this podcast if it's apple spotify google amazon anywhere it doesn't matter please take 30 seconds to rate our podcast and to write a review and that might be one word that might be awesome excellent or anything you like but please comment please give us feedback please rate rate and review because it helps our podcast be more discoverable so it ultimately as Tamsin said earlier we do this for free we do this so that we can um in in a way that people don't have to pay they can um learn about these topics and just feel like they have other people in their corner who understands this stuff and we want more people to 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 hear us so you can help by doing that yeah, for help us. us help us bring the show back as well because it, yeah that will make a difference to us being absolutely. able to you know we schedule new episodes and get new material and new guests so yeah absolutely thanks so much enjoy your summer folks and uh we will be back in <laughs> september yep. see you then bye